Hi, welcome to the Your Adrenal Fix podcast, where we help exhausted and burnt out adults learn the truth about adrenal fatigue so that they can get their health back quickly. My name is Dr. Joel Rosen, and I've suffered with my own adrenal fatigue problem, and now I've made it my mission to tell the truth about adrenal fatigue so that we can get to the root cause of your problem and really teach you how to put the puzzle pieces together so that you could tap into your hidden energy reserves and have all day energy. So this podcast is for anyone who's struggling for years or feeling overwhelmed and burnt out or you're just feeling stuck you're going to get cutting edge information from all our different guests in different respected health fields to give you those important tidbits of information so that you can actually act on them and improve your health join us for our podcast i know you will enjoy it Welcome back to another edition of Your Adrenal Fix, where we teach exhausted and burnt out adults the truth about their health and the truth about adrenal fatigue so that we can get them back to an energized way of living quick and and fast. Uh, Today, I have Daniel the Naturopath or Daniel Thompson. Uh, He's an American-raised, French-trained, traditional foods-oriented naturopath who uses modern and traditional ideas combining scientific knowledge and intuition for a refreshing, solution-focused perspective on today's challenges. He also runs two companies, one in Texas and one in France called The Heart of Tradition in the U.S., which really seeks to bring topical magnesium in a blue glass of a high quality and purity to the U.S. markets and help others through his discoveries of living 15 years in France. He's an avid self-taught researcher, chef, tango dancer, basketballer, basketballer, opera lover, and two-step loving personality. I'll have to ask him more about that. Um, With a love for the mysteries of life, the wonders of recovery, and homemade raw milk cheesecake. So Daniel, thanks so much for being here today. I appreciate you spending time with us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. I was excited to get this message. uh, Excellent. Yeah, yeah. I had had our, our, our team reach out to you. So I always like to start, Daniel, with with giving us your health journey, you know, being a, a natural path and being dedicated to bring new discoveries to, to the market, kind of give us a, a springboard on maybe the, the Reader's Digest version of your, of your history and how you got into this in the first place. Uh, yeah, I went to school as a naturopath in France and uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, it, it kind of got me into the more to the health side and I had been studying little things before, but that kind of all connected it and eventually developed a, this supplement uh, company um, in, in France. We kind of hit the top of the market there um, doing the transdermal magnesium as well. And it was kind of the first on the market there. So it was kind of, it was a success, an easier success, and then started to come here to do that. I also learned a lot about through the Weston Price Foundation and others, uh, doctors that I learned a lot about um, nutrition and how to use nutrition as a way to overcome, um, I guess you could say, what we see in the American market as a high level of supplementation. In Europe, we find a very intense level of vitamin combinations in food, which do not are not found here. Uh, one small example is if you go to like Central Market here in Austin, which is like the, the best spot, I guess, and you find traditional foods like all prepared and prepared foods, you know, you see no gelatin and you go to Europe, you go to a place like that, gelatin is on everything. 
And so you're like, well, what's the difference here? Where's the gelatin, you know? And so we, we've gotten into a certain way of making things where we have stripped away the assimilators and things that help us to get, you know, you talk about acidity, I'm sure, because you work with adrenal fatigue and, and gelatin is the key to that. I mean, some of these ways that we get this stuff to work in the body uh, and even get the veins, the glycine and everything to work right without the, the acidification um, has to do with basic principles of nutrition that are used in a daily, repetitive, somewhat medical way, but through food. <clears throat> no, absolutely. So as far as going on the next topic, you, you did mention uh, when we were figuring out what's the best conversation to go down, the difference between the, the European way and you just cited an example in the American way what other ways are you seeing that play out besides the gelatin Daniel difference well, I, um, well as we mentioned before with the foie gras like you know this is another element that's very powerful I know a lot of Americans don't know about it we're finding out more about the foie gras I've seen miracles happen using foie gras for people I've seen women that had the body completely intercepted by soy and like no breast, for example, at 30 years old and start taking the foie gras, like on kind of a gamble, like this guy's crazy <laughs> and watch themselves change within months and uh, to grow, to grow these, this back that was never there. And just mind blowing stuff because the interception of the K2 has happened through the genetics um, through soy and through the lack thereof too. Like, you know, soy kind of changes some of the parameters and the form, but then we also have the lack itself, the deficiency itself. And so it's really hard to get a good dose of K2, MK4 in its active form. You can find pills and stuff, but this active level is just a different thing, a different game. And you see it quicker. It moves faster. You can go much quicker through it. And it's not, it's not cheap, but then again, I mean, there, that's kind of some in some areas it's worth it because you're doing this. What the traditions show us to do this, like, you know, three or four times around Christmas, there was this kind of like notion there. And so you trace that same tradition in Japan with the natto and they have that same tradition. You go to Norway, they have a certain type of cheese they eat that's that they have the tradition around that cheese. Like, you know, the Alps, they have a tradition to drink the, the yellow uh, uh, cream from the cows that finally make it to the snow line. And there's a whole party and festival around it. Now, the, what did they know? That was all K2. You know, they knew about it. And so we've kind of lost a little bit of it to our own detriment. And um, and so I just try to, I try to stay on that game. It's a di different game because you can't help as many people with it because a lot of people are like, what is all that? Um, right. But I, if I can find a way to bring some of that wisdom um, a little bit of the Greek wisdom through the bath culture in my magnesium space and those deficiencies and, and, um, um, and then try to help people find supplements that can get them closer. There are supplements like emu oil, like non-refined, which is a little hard to find, but it's out there. Um, and there is places we can get like, you know, activator, um, like K2 in like Alpine butter. There is like supplements like that. And so thank God we can still find this stuff in an easy approach for Americans that are kind of finding somewhere in between sacred products and sacred foods or sacred supplements and, and sacred foods. Yeah. Right. It's a shame too, because these are foods that are produced by the earth and the old adage of let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. It's a lot harder now today 
And I guess that's the question I would ask you is, let's say even with the foie gras and the, and the liver, if the animals aren't healthy and they're living in a toxic world and they're exposed to the, the water and the, and the air and the soils that aren't uh, dense in, in nutrients, is it a, it's not a given anymore just to get a, a foie gras that's going to be healthy that would produce those results. I guess the question is, how much does that factor into, okay, we want food to be thy medicine, but what if the medicine in the food isn't, isn't there? So I guess what, what are the, the, the obstacles or some of the hurdles to, to be aware of and to, to overcome that? Well, you know, the American Indians, they would, uh, when they would have scurvy in the winter, they would eat the actual um, adrenal gland from the animal and they would pass it around to the tribe and everybody would eat this. And so because the adrenal gland contains a very powerful form of vitamin C, not just like ascorbic acid, it has a, it has a whole other property to it. And so it, it like that would like kind of recharge for the winter and they didn't need much of it, but like they figured out these ways. And so some of those foods are still all out there, but it's just far away from most people's thinking. And, and, you know, I'm Scandinavian and, and so they do blood pudding and black bread and all this kind of weird stuff, you know, and, and, you know, people are far away from that today. And so it's just trying to bring some of those traditions back. I think liver is starting to become popular. So people are bringing that back and it's just little by little, people are starting to realize that throwing away pieces of the animal has kind of great consequences. Um, you know, you want a real B12 shot, go get inside of the, the body of that lobster and get that, that, that greenish, like metallic stuff, bam, you know, and you'll feel it. And so, but we just toss all that, you know? And so there's, right. there is a notion of just like re-education, things like that. It's sad that usually people re-educate on this stuff through, through downturns, like where they, you know, like the Europeans, they, they, they don't waste a lot of food even now because of the second world war, what it did. And so I think that sadly people go through these experiences and then they realize that they should be more frugal or prudent with how they're con uh, consuming and, and stuff like that. That's just one side. There is a lot of good supplements. There is a way for people to halfway get there and get there almost and find the, there is like a path that meets people where they're at. Um, it's just knowing that these deficiencies, especially the K2 triangle with magnesium and D, they're not as easy to overcome as we think um, through just throwing some synthetic vitamins at them. They do take a little bit more love and effort, but they can be healed. Uh, and then that keeps us away from medical slavery, you know, or too much of it, you know, uh, too many. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, and I agree with that. I, I think that um, really how to, how to get every part of the, of the animal, I guess more of my question was along the lines, is it harder and harder now with the mass production and the corn fed way that the, the, the livestock is handled and the, maybe the inhumane ways that they're being, um, treated, uh, that it's hard, even with getting at every aspect of the animal, it may not necessarily provide you with the ideal nutrients. I mean, I guess, is that a real concern that you're seeing just in the world in general or compared from Europe to US is, right, and very being aware of, is it wild? Is it sustainably raised? Is it grass fed? Is it, you know, yeah. is that something that you have to take those next measures to make sure you're not just following the advice of getting real food, but real yeah. food that's really 
that eats real food kind of thing. No, it's true. Well, there are some rules in the body too. Like, you know, some of the least compromised parts of the animal are the blood and certain areas. And so people were eating that, you know, they would create these blood puddings and brack breads and all this stuff because the blood is the least compromised in a given, even in a bad system. And so there is like, there's levels to that, but you're right. Like you do have to seek your food. Like I go to farmer's markets. I typically find most stuff there. There's a lot of people who order from the Amish or they do this or they order online or, you know, and so there's different ways to kind of source to where you can make sure you're getting soy out of the food. That's a big one. If you can find soy fed, uh, non-soy fed chickens and eggs and stuff, that's great. Um, or yourself or small little farmlets or whatever. And so it definitely takes a little bit of extra effort. But I tell people, even my mom, I'm like, you know, once a month, go to the farmer's market, get a bunch of eggs, get a bunch of this, throw it in the freeze. You know, it's going to be better um, than than what you're doing if you're, you, you know, and, and there is uh, options out there, like even a grocery store, even there is options. But no, you're right. Like if we go to like Asia foie, foie gras farms, I wouldn't touch any of that stuff. It's it, it, there's it's called, you know, steatoresis, which, you know, liver kind of getting too fatty. And, and so that makes this like the wrong stuff. But going to France. I mean, those people spend, those are the highest paid animal farms on the planet as far as the product that comes back at the end, how expensive it is. So they eat better than anyone, you know? And so, but, but just the way that whole thing works, you know? Um, but I will tell you that, no, it is good to seek outside, especially for like, like I used to make broth with like undiscerning stuff. Like I would go buy just bones and stuff and make broth. And like, I did toss one time the broth because I felt like it wasn't doing, it wasn't helping the digest, something was wrong. And so, yes, I had to seek out, I mean, people got to spend about 50 bucks to make broth. It's not going to be a $2 or five that it was back in the day when you just get the rest from the butcher, you know? And so you got to spend a little more money uh, to do it, but it, I think it's feasible. Um, I mean, when the, when the poor, uh, when they had a lot of famine in Scandinavia, everybody ate herring and potatoes and onions. That's all they had to eat. And they noticed that during this period, the cancer cases went down, you know, and it was like, yeah, they got stuck on a very boring and and almost like uh, inexpensive food that we can also find today, that same food everywhere. You know, you could see this in Walmart and the big, you know, and so it's like, you know, you can get by, but it, it might be a boring recipe, but you can still make it, you know. So there is right. a way for people to eat right. Um, but it's just learning a little bit more, usually in their own traditions, like Jewish tradition, French, you go back into them, you'll find stuff. Polish, I like I like that too. There's a lot of areas you'll find these common traditions uh, which have a high vitamin quality. They understand the gelatin matrix. They understand other elements that we've kind of tossed out. Yeah, it's such great information. And, you know, I, I one of the other differences that you just kind of touched upon is the the value we place on food specifically with what we invest in our foods and i know in europe it, it it's going to cost a, potentially a little more for for the good quality food versus i think the american mentality is that you know cheap fast foods and uh, i think in the short term it's cheaper in the long term it's much more expensive because you're having a chronic health issue that you know, a little bit of extra investment today results in a huge return tomorrow with the quality of the food. So it's interesting that you, that's where I was going. One thing that you mentioned with the soy and the isoflavonoids, I think it gets a lot of bad rap here because of um, the GMOs and, mm. and so forth. But 
and this wasn't on the topic list, but you brought it up and I wanted to ask you, because I, I do promote this to our patient base as well as good quality soys and what you get with the isoflavonoids and so forth. Maybe you can just give us a little bit of an insight with your background, why it's so important to, to, to not quote unquote, throw the baby out with the bathwater on what you hear about the, the ills of soy. Uh, well, I don't know. Like for me, I, I, I know that for example, when you make a natto, uh, and you try to create K2 out of making natto. I used to order this from farms in France. They would make it at the farm and send you this like really smelly natto stuff, you know, and a uh, powerful way to get K2. But so they use soybeans. And so soy is famously used for a few different elements, like um, kind of like the the Asian garum, you know, which is like this this thing the Romans used to, 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 you know, which helped to build some strength amongst people that didn't have much food to eat. And this would add an element, um, like it's kind of like petri uh, putrid kind of sardines and, and scraps and things that all kind of ferment. And so, um, um, but I will say that, so I have a friendship with soy on certain levels. Uh, my problem is how they actually get it to market and the, the fact that it's used as a crop rotation byproduct and, and, and what it can do to the soil sometimes, like it pulls a lot of manganese out. It doesn't, magnesium too, it doesn't replace it. And so over time, there's kind of like, there were, there were better crops that we were rotating with before. And so we got ourselves into kind of an addiction in a way. And so then it became a product and everything else. So there's kind of this, this side of it, but as its own element, fermented uh, soy was used traditionally as like a little six to 10%, maybe five to 7% part of the, 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 the meal in a given like society, like especially in Asia as a fermented food. And it was uh, healthy and it was like kind of a protein multiplier. And so that would, you know, you have your broth, you have your, you don't have a lot of money. And so this multiplies the protein. And so this was the smart move, right? And so if we get down things, the right size and not the genetic, version, then we probably get something more respectable. I don't want to throw any of, you know, God's foods out the window. I want to figure out their, their, just like candida. I want to figure out where they go over, you know, not if they're in place, they're fine. But when they go right. over, then you're in trouble. And so that's kind of like, it becomes almost right. a Trojan horse. Yeah. And that's a great comment. I tell a lot of our patients and the people we talk to is there's sort of a Goldilocks zone of you don't want too little, you don't want too much. You want that just right balance. And I think with fermentation, that really happens a lot, right? Because if people have a really lousy ecosystem in their own GI tract and they get fermentation, maybe you can tell us a little bit of your insights with that because ferment fermented foods with the nattos and the soys and everything else are very, very healthy. But at the same time, if you go over um, yeah. And someone already has a pretty bad host, kind of maybe give us a little bit of your insights with that. I know these are things we hadn't really discussed, but that's, that's all right. great to go in different areas. Yeah. I mean, I the nutrition side is a stronger side for me, but um, but um, um, no, I, I do feel like the fermentation is important because it does bring up certain vitamins to the surface. But But I also feel like as you heal over time, your body wants less and less things that are concentrated, including fermentation. And that's as the gut heals. Now, this could be a year, five, I don't know. But as it heals, yeah, it, it resists too much of anything that's, you know, it's concentrated, whether that be salt, sugar, that just it just kind of gets sober. I think sobriety is the goal. 
But, but I do think that to get there, like I went through a lot of sauerkraut and I did a lot of different things to get there. And then the daily, like I probably, I can't, like I'm telling on myself because I actually, if I really think about it, like I take a, uh, like when I go to the farmer's market, I see there's one line that has a line all the time and that's the raw milk. And when I go to the, and it was one of the reasons we went to farm, farmer's markets in the first place. But, um, and so I get the raw milk and I ferment it and I make like kind of like a farmer's cheese, you know, like let it sit for a few days and then strain it and make like this farmer's cheese. I eat it with honey and vanilla, whatever. And so this, this, and I've noticed that this is kind of a weekly or bi-monthly or whatever kind of thing I'll do. And it has provided all that bacteria, all that fermentation uh, factors in the raw butter that we can't find, called like Wilton factor for stiffness. And there's other things that can't be found without that raw element. And so I have noticed that that has also been my probiotic. It's been my fermentation. Like I've been saying, oh, I don't need anything fermented. And it's like, no, you kind of do, you know? And so, um, but it's just like, it's not acidic fermented anymore, technically kind of. It's more like, um, you know, milk. And um, so, yes, there is some foods that like need to be close to to us. They figured out when they did an they did they scanned like they did a, a test on were there any American Native Indians that still didn't have cavities and stuff from the fallout of American foods in the modern world? There was any of them left because there used to be great spe uh, specimens of that. And uh, they found the only tribes that that worked with was I forget the name of the tribe, but it was people who had developed a raising cattle and they had herd and milk and they had went, they had shifted to milk. And so their teeth were great once again. And so to get us from that hunter gatherer to where we are now, the cow is a key piece to that, you know, and pigs and everything else. But like, um, so I do think that the fermentation sticks with us um, at, in that, in that way. But like, yeah, you're right. Like too much fermentation, even the Essenians, I know that's strange, but I remember reading some of their literature and th it was, it was in the, like, like cytical, like the word meaning like it, it was killing the body too much fermentation is what they had, had termed it as. So they tried to get the right balance with it, like corner of the plate, little bit kind of, you know, like a condiment. Yeah, our condiments yeah, yeah. used to be fermented. We don't have fermented condiments anymore, but they used to be fermented, even ketchup and, and all that. Right. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, too. I like the thought process of the sobriety of the GI health, right? And as far as um, you would think naturally the other way, intuitively, and every time I think that it's uh, against the traditional way of thinking, it's probably the right way, where mm -hmm. you would think in the beginning, you know, I guess as your health gets more sober or your GI tract gets more balanced and diverse and keystone bacteria in there, that you don't want it to be as potent because it now is a self-perpetuating machine, whereas you would think of it as the other way around, where when it's not healthy, you would go less, and when it gets more healthy, you would get more. Does that make sense in terms of anti-intuitive to what you would be thinking? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I think that it's one of those systems that allows for a certain stability over time, and that's the goal, is to not be always you know, the goal is to heal the body, soul, and spirit. It's not to just be in the gym for 90 hours of your life and to become kind of a stringent person. It's to like heal all three spectrums and 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 have those three parts, you know, because otherwise you 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 get stuck on the physical alone. And that that's what happens when we when we're when the foods aren't right. That's why hip 
Hippocrates was so key because when the foods aren't right, you have to be pumping out all those toxins and detoxifying all those chemical plastics through sweating and you have to stay in the gym, you know? And so we want to get people to have a freedom uh, in general and not to be forced to be so, you know, the gut has to always be given some probiotic or it always has to be, you know, and it's like, it's like getting it to a state of sobriety where there's stability and and I think that foods play a key role in that and also deficiencies like we talk about the magnesium deficiency you know this stores on the hydroxyapatite but layer of the bone so building up that deficiency builds up a whole system in you that that is subsequently used like a Rolex watch subsequently used that energy to recreate structure and things like that so the body becomes not only stable but it's also got like like you know fourth it's got a future power a little bit you know and <laughs> like it can take care of it's itself surplus. it's got a surplus yeah it's got yeah a and i think a great a great point too in terms of it's 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 infinitely intelligent way more so than we could micromanage our synthetic you, you know bringing into the body and really you just want to kind of give it keep it on its track by giving it the the great nutrients that are uh, that are from the earth and have the same frequencies and minerals and everything that makes you healthy and eliminate all the adulterated, processed, um, genetic, modified, whatever it is, toxic mm. exposures, yeah. and just let the body do the rest, which is a good sort of dovetail into um, the heart of tradition, uh, your company. And um, magnesium, which you just started to talk about. And really, that's how you became on our radar. Um, so maybe we can talk about what is full spectrum magnesium, and maybe we can kind of go from there. Well, I think full spectrum to me is just kind of, um, uh, it, it's not a, it's a self term that we, that was, I, you know, it can't, I came up with it just only because that we see self full spectrum. And that usually means we take a bunch of types of things and we put them all together in one and that's full spectrum. Whereas like for me, the full spectrum is understanding magnesium itself and understanding like how it really works in the body. Like if there's one word to define magnesium for me, it's flexibility. That's what it does in the human body. It renders everything flexible. It renders the bones, the teeth, the nerves, everything viscous and flexible. And that's kind of how it works. And so it gives like that, 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 you know, at the cellular level, it's the same. It also allows for calcium to come in, but not too much, you know, and, and it, and it keeps this kind of control on that to where the rigidity of the cell is controlled there too, because calcium will over rigidify and then we have apoptosis and everything else. And so the, 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 the magnesium has this role in kind of balancing out structure to where it can become soft enough and flexible enough to work better. Um, you know, your teeth would just break if they were all calcium, right? So the magnesium helps to, to bring that um, flexibility there. And so I feel like um, when you understand it from that angle and you understand the history, I, I really feel like modern medicine should be more um, programmed into history because they, they, they really did a lot back then to teach us about what's happening now. I mean, if you get a guy on bipolar and you give him some lithium and, you know, he, he could destroy his kidneys, possibly maybe his his liver, um, you know, whatever um, thyroid. And, you know, the, the Greeks said, hey, send them to a lithium bath, you know, <laughs> like, and like they would do that. They had a different method. They weren't harming anyone, you know, but they figured out another way to do the same thing without doing any harm. And I feel like that is a powerful 
powerful testament to how we could operate. Um, but um, so in the magnesium space, when they study history, doctors, they'll probably find that in magnesia of all places, which is where the Greeks set up a lot of this bath culture. And they did it there um, with um, some of the most famous baths were famous today, even for magnesium in the waters because of the dolomite type of, you know, it's a type of stone that has, you know, um, half magnesium, half calcium, whatever. So it's, it's, it's a very like high magnesium concentration in, in that whole region there. And so they're able to create these baths. They would use that as mortar, the dolomite. They would, they would build that into the bath system. All of this stuff leaches. I mean, even their plumbing system was leachy. It was all clay. So everything leached magnesium, you know, and it was, there was a lot of like green clays and different types of clays they would use. And so, um, um, so this, this whole system was basically a big leaching system of magnesium and minerals. And then they would bathe in it, you know, and they would heat it, which is even turns everything up. Right. And then they would bathe in it. And, and because there's so much, you know, attention to bathing and this, that was, that culture was not about soap and hygiene. That was really about mag deficiency minerals, a little bit of hygiene too, but there was other stuff going on there. And so we get all those things. We've taken those as supplements. Now they were smart to build it into their society where you didn't have to remember to take it. Now we have to remember to take supplements like magnesium for long periods of time without even feeling anything in our bones. We just have to stay on it. So they built it in in a way where we couldn't get away from it. And I think that was kind of smart. And so especially the older crowd, you know, a lot of the arthritis that we see is a lot of that's due to calcification, too. And so we get calcium roaming around, making everything worse. And so this is a low mag life cycle. It doesn't mean you can stop calcification, but it just means you can soften it and kind of not make it. We're not supposed to age. It's supposed to go straight and then dovetail. Right. We're not supposed to be on this farmer ramp like limping on our way the last 20 years or and so i think that they understood something about that we did too our founding fathers they did all those waters and they you know jefferson would write about all this rheumatism and all these things that they were able to overcome through these waters so there was something in the water it wasn't just magnesium there was also sulfur there were other components but magnesium was a big player and um so trying to help people find a way to overcome that deficiency through the skin because you have this huge surface area that we should be using because you can bring more in without triggering the laxative of the kidneys. People with IBS, they can't even take the pills, right? A lot of them. And so finding a way to help people to get it in the body through another system, which is intelligent, which copies the ocean, this, this connection between man and the sea. And, you know, we know that, you know, this, this, this history um, kept them from, I mean, they had a stronger composition and so even the soils, they didn't even have the magnesium deficient soils, but they still did the baths. So they still knew that there was a reason to do it. And so we're just trying to help people find as many ways possible to not harm themselves and to maybe help a lot, you know? And so it, everything I try to recommend to people, like from the foie gras down to the mag, there's nothing will ever harm you. It will, it's, it's a risk because you might have to spend some money, but, but like it won't harm you and you can just try it out, you know? And so that's kind of the way I try to do things. Um, the, the company was built just to bring that tradition. Did you know that in the medical system in France, they have that as part of their medical system? Um, 
that that they will send people to different waters around the country, uh, France, um, and for free, actually. It was actually the coolest part of their kind of bad system, but it was kind of the coolest part. And uh, you can get that um, those needs covered. They'll send you to this place for rheumatism and this one for whatever. And so they have like their own little system set up. It's a fascinating system. And we're trying to learn from them and find a modern way to bring that to people. That's kind of what we're doing. Um, if you want to talk further um, on the, the way people process magnesium, it is sad that most magnesium is a technical grade magnesium. They use it for de-icing planes. It comes over on sheets and then they, I mean, and, you know, on, you know, big boats, and then they turn it into the supplements and everything else that we use. And there is a little bit of quality somewhere sometimes, but when you try to get certificate of origins, nobody will give you one. They call it proprietary. And so we kind of know what they're doing. And so it's just a cheap magnesium that's been solvents extracted from undiscerning strata and just chemically made, purified by man to be the final thing. And what people don't realize when they buy their glycinate citrate, what rolls out of that? What's the magnesium that's going to roll out of that? Like the, the magnesium molecule itself, how was that made? How did they get that? And so we just, we can't even be sure of all the things. I mean, people could tell you raw milk and uh, pasteurized milk look the same under a microscope, possibly. They look the same if you feel them, but they're not the same. So we can't get into that type of quantification right now, but I will tell you that like to go from a natural stone where it's clear, you send spring water, you bring that back up, that brine, you bottle that brine in glass and you don't touch anything, you get a better chance of having nature-made molecule. So this is made by nature for 250 million years. Man's not really involved here, except for bringing it up. And so um, we believe that this is a better magnesium, and especially because of there's such a good, huge source of it, the size of which is mind-blowing, we actually have the same price point as others. So it's like, just do it right, and, uh, and the plastics do contaminate the magnesium. We know that. That's why the olive oil people from Spain stopped doing plastic, a lot of them, because they realized what it did to the olive oil. And so we're, we're not being blind to that either. And I know that was a big spiel, but... Thank you for. Oh, it's great. Letting... I, I I I tracked with you the whole way through. That was great. <laughs> I mean, I think just the benefit of getting it transdermally is is a big point because people can identify that, especially pound for pound, even if it's not an optimal form that's utilized by the body, uh, it, it's it's having to be processed by the liver and or it's also causing intolerance and they already have GI issues that they're thinking to take it in the first place. And mm -hmm. they'll tell you firsthand that it will loosen the stool and they're not able to tolerate it. Um, but then on top of that, getting it from a man-made source or sorry, a, a nature-made source, uh, which I think that's the the problem with we what we alluded to earlier with the food and the the natural occurring nutrients in food versus synthetically or individually processed and trying to take out the secret formula and 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 I guess I guess patenting it or copywriting it so that you lose all the benefits of it but you also increase the profits of your company not to go down that pathway but you know synthetic bees petroleum based same problem um but you mentioned as far as uh which uh, the other thing i like about your company is you say it even on your website is you'll you're you'll scrutinize uh you're up for scrutiny to be able to test the quality and the source of your magnesium and where like the quality of it 
And as far as you mentioned with the Greeks and the Dolomite, what's different about the the rock? And because I know I can't pronounce the name of the rock that you you have for your magnesium, but how uh, how what is it? How's it pronounced? Uh, it's called Bishafit. B- okay, right. And go ahead, explain explain the quality of that magnesium, or what's what's special about that rock, or how it potentiates or gets the the concentration of the ideal magnesium and the way that um, your company has been able to deliver that product? Uh, well, the Bishafit is actually, it's, a, it's, it's the only stone out there that is basically a solid magnesium chloride. Um, most stones like carnelite and other from the Dead Sea, that's carnelite, like um, they're like under the Dead Sea. Um, and some of these like um, are around that region, you could say. Um, they have, uh, you know, a little more potassium, they'll have other things in them. We got to kind of get that out of there and then you make your product or you go to Salt Lake, oh, there's bromine, ah, got to get that out of there. Uh, m- mercury as well, Salt Lake, yeah, we got to get that out of there too. And then, so we have to, sol- we have to use solvents and treat and get the stuff out and then we can make a magnesium oil and sell it and do all that stuff. So, uh, we don't have any of that. This is Bishafit. So Bishafit is naturally natural state magnesium chloride. It's the clearest stone you can find with magnesium, meaning clarity. You can see through it. And so because of that clarity, that that allows for just a salt to melt, and then we just pull it up. So because of that discovery, um, you have like a, a natural way to do this without having to use any chemicals or anything to, to get it to happen. And um, unfortunately, you can't just go locally. That's why they're doing this stuff. Sometimes they'll just go to Salt Lake and then they just extract it all, chemicalize it, and then they make it and everybody's happy. But you end up getting a you know, kind of a different product in the end. And they always say the solvents are all pulled out perfectly, but that we all know that there's still some in there and there's little pieces of things that just hang on the edges. And it just changes the way the magnesium works in the body for us. And then also, even if we're wrong about that, like um, it's still the same price to get the other one. So it's almost like, okay, uh, either way, we'll just bet on nature if we can, you know? And right. so that's kind of what we're we're letting people do is just bet on nature, bet on the purity. We put all of our, the layers up on the site. We, we let people know about the geology. We let people know about this special formation. That was where the first land mammals came onto the earth was through the Zechstein. Like we, we, we talk about a lot of these things. And so a lot of people don't because once you're buying industrial grade stuff to make it cheaper and people don't really care about the molecule per se, uh, that's what they think, um, then you don't talk too much about source anymore. And so, um, which, which is, it's just a different, it's a different thing. And, you know, like we got the CBD movement uh, coming, you know, a lot of people, and I always tell people, it was like, okay, first of all, magnesium is more essential than CBD. But second of all, like magnesium and CBD, they work together. Like they work really good and together, but CBD, the only problem with it is over time, there's no structure added. And so you need the structure. The structure is part of that formula where you're trying to help the body detoxify, get things out, um, heal uh, deficiencies, be stronger, et cetera. You need to be able to um, have structure. So magnesium enhances the nerves over time. They become more flexible over time. They injure less. So structure is a big part of the formula. So when you're thinking about these other modalities, always think of structure as well alongside and, um, and if you skip around from, I mean, like I said, you can go from from uh, the magnesium to getting it internally. A lot of people, you know, we're not in competition with pills. 
So like pills are fine, three and eight, and that's all good. I'm glad they're out there making all sorts of stuff for different operations and surgical and this, and they do all sorts of stuff. But, but, um, but when you start taking it externally, it, it will eliminate both if there's over, but you end up getting this filtration system and this allows for a better input and you can abuse it in a sense because the sports people that use this high level sports people, they just dose up. Like they don't even count. They just go and, and they're training and getting out of the body. One more little feature that connects with your podcast with adrenal fatigue, because I'm sure that you guys talk about heavy metals and the, their effects on the gut because the biome is controlling a lot of the acidity and then that comes back to the, the kidney and then here we go and it all connects. But um, um, is that the, in the Roman times when they would make salt. So when you make salt, the product, a byproduct of salt is called bittern. And bittern is like a pure magnesium chloride. It's like a, it's like sort of the similar thing as the bichafit, except bichafit's made by nature, and this is kind of like processed out or whatever. Well, this could be naturally processed out too. So, um, but it's a little different. And so um, that um, that that bittern, they that's how they would clean their water supply. That's how they pulled cadmium and beryllium and molybdenum and all this stuff out of the water supply in those baths and in those times was using the bittern. So what does it what does that mean? That means that this chloride molecule, which is the master molecule in the human body, like um, when you eat like your almonds, that hydrochloric acid chlorifies that magnesium. There's a chloride process always. And so I can't prove this. And this is one of my like reaching theories. But like, um, you know, the first layer of your skin is acidic. The second layer is fat. So as that chloride comes in from the sea over those 30 minutes, you're in it like um, it turns that first that chloride into citrate as it comes in and then it turns it into glycinate. So it basically makes food out of that same molecule as it comes in and touches all those layers. And so we're buying all this stuff that the body naturally makes. Most of this dextrogear stuff is the levrogear uh, is the dextrogear that we find in the body. And so we're trying to like just help people realize how smart our, our ancestors were and help them find a way that they could be sure of history, natural, and then, you know, an alternative that can't hurt. And we're just kind of we're kind of riding that line right there without wanting to bump heads. Uh, magnesium is one of the most researched minerals in the world. So we're OK with that. But just trying to offer a better solution. No, it's wonderful. I, I when I explain it, Daniel, to our, to our patients, I like the term the magnesium burn rate where if your demand for energy exceeds your supply for energy, every time you produce ATP and it converts into ADP, it's releasing a magnesium in that process um, to be able to create that energy. And mm -hmm. then you're burning that all off and you're not getting it back because we're so devoid of minerals in our soils or everything you've just talked about, or better yet, I mean, we're just not eating good quality food because mm -hmm. I always, you know, it's cheap, cheap food. And I always, you know, I, I love that saying where instead of wondering why the, the food is, is so expensive, you should be wondering why, you know, it's so cheap, right? Because if it's, it's really not. inexpensive food, what kind of quality food is it in there? So awesome, great stuff. So the website is the heart of tradition. Um, your main product is the uh, is the transdermal magnesium. I'm sorry, I didn't do my homework. Is there other products that you sell on there as well or that you promote? <laughs> For now, we're kind of like a one trick pony with different sizes and things coming and some, you know, roll on applicator and other things coming around and um, and, you know, 
there, there's a few products in that, in that domain, but like for now, that's kind of all we're doing. We do a little bit on, you know, we have some books, we, we we're, we're going to start a, a full nutrition blog as part of the site coming up soon too. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for now. Um, uh, for now, I haven't seen the need to go into a second product, but I've been playing around with a couple ideas, but those are secret for now. <laughs> Well, if it's if you got what you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if you got what you got. So, as far as um, I, we we talked a little bit earlier, and potentially being able to give the listener a discount, um, we we mentioned, and I'll put that in the show notes so that they'll be able to get that. Um, but the coming to an end here, I always like to ask, um, what what would you have wished you know, knew then that you know that you know now? Um, that would have helped with either any stress-related disorders or being exhausted or being burnt out or overwhelmed or any type of health challenges that you may have had now that you have your, your infinite wisdom now, what would you have told the, the younger, more naive Daniel it, it, to sort of accelerate your, your process? Wow, that's such a good question. Um, I probably, you know, I got on the homeopathy um, a bit late in the game. And I feel like it was really helpful, especially the higher level homeopathy, which is called like sensation level, which they do a lot in the UK and Europe and stuff like that. I feel like that was like a little game changer for me. I had thyroid issues and that actually helped me to come off the meds that I was on. Uh, my body did thicken a little bit, I think, to compensate for the lack of warmth and, and maybe even maybe even hormones. Uh, but it was healthy. It was a healthy change. Um, and so, um, I probably would have got closer to that sooner. Um, I also feel like because I did go down a vegetarian path for a certain period, I wasn't really aware of the fact that like, you know, like if you take some like buddy from India and you compare them to like Mangus Manguson or somebody from Scandinavia, which is my actual genetics, it's just a whole nother world, you know? And so I kind of was confused in a few worlds there and had to learn the hard way, for me, not for everyone, um, that like um, animal foods were really the key to health. And the American Indians said that whenever we got sick, like, you know, can't whatever, sick, that sometimes the animals are the only way out. And so what that means is when we get sick, sometimes people think, all right, more plant stuff, more juices and more, we'll drink like a lot of juices and plants. But the Indians were like, no, do the opposite. <laughs> Let the animal convert something for you now. And, and let them do the conversion so you can translate that off to a health bonus for you. And so that's where, but if you don't get sick, then maybe, yeah, you can choose whatever path you need to go down. But so for me, learning about the, the animal foods and fats and all that stuff, I learned it a bit too late. And I feel like uh, it, it, it took a toll on my system. But now I don't have any stimulants. I don't drink coffee. I'm not against coffee. I think it's great for the mind. Not so good for the heart, but great for the mind. And so, um, but I don't do any stimulants. I have a good sleep schedule. And, and so I'm without, uh, like, I feel like I'm getting to a level of sobriety in the body finally. Um, but I have leaned a little bit on imported food sometimes and farmer's markets. And, you know, I've had to kind of like figure out where to get the right stuff and source. But um, I wish I would have learned some of that a little bit earlier. I think I was sleeping at the wheel and thinking that my little, my little tuna fish sandwich with French fries, like every day, was going to be, he's going to give me the the game changing reality. And it turns out like, you know, God was saying, you're going to need to learn a lot more than that. So anyway, 
Yeah, well, no, thank you for sharing that. I think the body's incredibly resilient, right? And uh, um, it has an amazing way of regenerating its tissues. Look at lungs that have been smoked upon for many, many years, and that person stops smoking, and all of a sudden it creates new tissue. And there's a certain amount of learning your body. I think that's the lesson really that you're talking about, mm. always looking to improve. And I think that also is a really good point where I do a lot of genomic test interpretations and, mm. and just you're, you're not, your body is engineered over the millennia to, to process the environment in a certain way. And if mm. you bend the rules too much beyond what the genetic program looks like, even though the environment helps to press the, the computer keyboards, if you will, the, 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 the hardwiring is, is, isn't as flexible as you think it will be. Um, number one, number two is a lot of vegetarians and vegans do have challenges in getting access to, um, especially if they're not diligent with their diet, with the essential mm -hmm. aminos or choline or vitamin A and retinol. Um, yeah. probably even K2. Now that you're talking about that, it's really hard to do that. And, be able to give your body the array that it needs. So understanding that the body and what percentages are enough for you to, to be in that ideal Goldilocks zone, but also be in that philosophical zone. So anyways, yeah. I, I appreciate, I appreciate all your, your information. Um, what I'll do is I'll put a link to your store and give them a, a discount for that. And uh, I look forward, actually, to be honest, I haven't tried your, your magnesium for myself, but I'm like going to be the first one in line to do that. And I'm excited to get going. And I always learn a lot of information on this. And this was definitely a one that I learned some, some great insights as well. So thank you so much for sharing your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, that was uh, good for me as well. Thanks. Awesome. Take care. Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of your Adrenal Fix podcast, where our goal is really to teach exhausted and burnt out adults the truth about adrenal fatigue so that they can get their energy back quickly. And if you happen to be suffering with your own exhaustion and fatigue-based problems and you're not getting answers and you're frustrated and you're concerned and you really want to get back to the things that you're not able to do, then maybe it's time for you and I to book a discovery call. If that makes sense to you or what we talked about makes sense to you, then this is an opportunity for you and I to troubleshoot and figure out what's going on in your body, what's not working, what have you tried, how's it impacting you. Most importantly, figure out where you want to go with your health and why you're not able to bridge that gap. And if I feel I can help you and all the things that you need to be doing, I can recommend to you, I'll let you know. And if I don't know, I'll tell you that too. But my goal is for you to leave this call with a step-by-step -step game plan to learn how to bridge that gap and get your life back quickly. If I feel I can help you, I'll tell you what that will look like to work together. However, there's no obligation to do any further work and there's no charge for the call whatsoever. It's just really a one-on-one -on -one time for you and my team member or myself to get true value out of what's not working with your health and what are you missing in order for you to make that next step. If that makes a lot of sense to you, then go ahead and go to www.adrenalfatigueworkshop.com, all one word, adrenal fatigue 
www.jimmyfigworkshop.com forward slash apply. Now spacing is limited and it's a first come first first served basis and you have to be willing to to make that next step to get your health back or at least be serious about it if we feel we can help each other just go to www.adrenalfatigueworkshop.com forward slash apply and i look forward to giving you value and getting you your health back